0: so grateful, truly grateful, I'm so thankful, yes. I'm so grateful, so, so grateful, yes I am, truly thankful, amen, 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 good morning everybody. Welcome this morning to the services coming to you from Lawrenceville, Georgia, World, Church for All Nations. We want to welcome everyone that's here in person. And for those of you that's joining us via all the various streaming devices, you are also welcome. Thank you so much for joining with us. And we bless God that something that God will say to us this morning will establish you, will strengthen you, and encourage you in jesus name and just by the way to all of those who are streaming in we appreciate you we love you we thank god for you but we also want you to know that church is open praise god the bible says hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25 amen That we should start up love among one another and that we should not forsake the assemblies of ourselves together. There is a dynamics when people of God come together and share fellowship. The Bible says, iron sharpens iron. Glory to God, amen. So, yes, we thank you for streaming, but at the same time, we would like to see you so we can give you a holy kiss, a holy hug. Glory to God, amen, hallelujah. Amen, praise God. And so here, this morning, as always, our vision is building strong families, and serving global communities. And so I'm going to dive in the message right away. I began this message a few weeks back on the planting of the Lord, Jesus being the gardener. I'm going to go to the opening scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, the Bible says, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, You are God's building. Paul uses this metaphor to describe the body of Christ. One, he says we are God's fellow workers. In other words, we partner together with God to build his kingdom. And that we are God's field. And also that we are God's building. Now, relative to this message that we began a few weeks back, we saw on Resurrection Sunday how Jesus appeared. And it seemed like to Mary like a gardener. Symbolizing giving us the message that he jesus has work to do and in the last instrument of this message i told you very very strongly three things jesus as a gardener is doing right now number one is planting you glory to god and we encourage you not to uproot yourself not to approach your marriage not to remove yourself okay praise god number two he nurtures you He's the one that planted you, and he's the one that's nurturing you. He's watering the plant. He's making sure that the plant is healthy. And number three, he defends you against growth barriers. And so, this morning, I want to go on further by addressing the result of the gardener's work. So we know that it's planting, we know it's nurturing, we know it's eliminating or removing all the impediments for growth. So the point is, what is his outcome? What is his goal? What is he looking for? What is the result of this gardener's work? Proverbs 12 12, if you just go there with me very quickly. Proverbs 12, verse 12 says, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Thank you. The wicked covered the catch of evil men, but the root of the righteous yields fruit. That last sentence, last, last part. The root of the righteous. What is our root? Jesus. Is the root, is the branch, is the root of the trap of Jesse. Is the root. So the Bible tells us that the root of the righteous yields fruit. So this morning, I want to begin to show you the result of the gardener's work. And that first point there is the fact as Jesus plants you and I, is expecting. garden, its plant, its crop to bear fruit. Glory to God. So in Jesus' name, you and I will bear fruit. Amen? We will bear fruit. Now, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 begins to help us to understand the kind of fruit the Bible is talking about. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Remember how we started. Jesus is the master gardener. He's planting his crop. He's planting his flowers. He's planting his trees. You and I are those trees. We are the plants that God is planting. And what I'm saying to you this morning is God plants us with an expectation that he's going to get something out of it. And what he's looking to get is what we call the fruit of the spirit. Now, just as an apple cannot grow outside of an apple tree, Neither can we grow the fruit of the Spirit apart from living in the Spirit. Okay? So Jesus plants us. He's looking for output. He's looking for fruit. But just as a mango, an apple tree, can, or rather as an apple, can never produce. An apple can never be produced Apart from the apple tree. Even so, for you and I, we can never manifest the fruit of the spirit except that we are living in the spirit. Amen? It's a work of the spirit. It's a work of the gardener. He, the gardener, God, Jesus, does the work. The work of producing is given totally to the gardener or to the spirit of God. However, we have a role and a part to play. We must cooperate with what God is doing. Amen? In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Corinthians 3, 18, and give that to me in the Amplified Classic, please. 2 Corinthians 3, 18 in Amplified Classic, it says, And all of us with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word of God, as in a mirror the glory of the lord are constantly being transfigured into his very image in ever increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the lord who is the spirit so the point here is god does the work but we have to cooperate how do we cooperate we cooperate by constantly with an unveiled face. Look into the mirror, the word of God. Look into Jesus. And the more we look at him, the more we reflect on who he is, the more we are being transformed. The transformation is the work of the Holy Spirit. But the looking on is my job and your job. That's how it happens. Amen. The Bible says in Romans 8:29, it makes it very clear what God's goal is. Romans 8:29, give that to me, please. Romans 8:29 in the nkjv that will do glory to god for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be confirmed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren the reason he plants is because he's looking for fruit The reason he plants is because he's looking for many, many membered fruit. And God's expectation is that through this whole dynamics, you and I will be conformed to the image of who Jesus is. We're going to look more and more and more and more like him in Jesus' name. He's constantly working in my life and your life to get rid of the acts of sinfulness, the things that really, really impede our progress in this transformation process. In fact, Galatians chapter five, in verse 16, and in verses 19 through 21, let me just read that very quickly. Galatians chapter five, verse 16, Galatians five, verse 16, and then verses 19 through 21. Let me read it very quickly thank you Jesus there you go I said then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh how are we going to manifest the fruit of the spirit we are walking in the spirit now look at verses 19 through 21 I find this to be very interesting that Paul is talking here about the uh, walking in the uh, in the fruit of the spirit but for two verses he lists things that are not of the spirit why do you think he did that Paul wants to give you a contrast view of life in the spirit versus life in the flesh so that we are not confused of what it means or looks like to walk in the flesh. So, before he begins to address walking in the spirit, he says, Let me first tell you how you should not be walking. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. In other words, if you are not living in the spirit, it is clear. How? How is it clear? Which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. Verse 21. Envy, murders, drunkenness, reveries, and the like. So before he tells us what the food that God is looking for is going to look like, it first tells us what God is not looking for if I makes it clear if first of all makes it clear so you understand clearly that walking and living in the spirit it contrasted that with walking and living in the flesh so verses 19 through 21 you and I don't want to participate in that at all we have resigned from 19 and 21 did you guys hear me we we have resigned from verses 19 verses 20 and verse 21 completely in jesus name glory to god we are no longer of those who participate in those verses amen so he he, is walking constantly remember i tell you how jesus is removing the impediments he's defending us against pestilence that will not allow us to grow that's what he does he's canceling out these things in our lives verses 19 through 21 And at the same time working to display through me and you to the world the fruit of the Spirit that mimics who he is now there is a huge difference between acting religious and being transformed you might find some folk who is not doing Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21, you don't see them doing that every day. And they have the right, what are called, religious language. I'm blessed, I'm highly favored. Glory to God, hallelujah. God is awesome, he's wonderful. They, they have the, what, what we call the uh, legalese of the Christian language. They've got to pat down. When you ask them to pray, they know how to pray. Oh, eternal rock of ages. The most holy, glorious Father. Eternal. They have the whole thing part there. Religious, but not transformed. You got to watch out for that. The way you know men and women that are transformed is, they have to bear the fruit of the Spirit. I can copy and parrot religiosity. But I cannot copy and parrot the fruit of the Spirit. You can't do it there is no way an apple can be re-engineered to become an orange an apple is an apple is an apple is an apple will always be an apple amen, amen. so you need to be careful not to hear people the way they pray the way they speak the things they say as Oh man that man or woman is spiritual no no Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 verse 16 by their fruit you shall know them not by their language Not by how well they pray. Not by how many verses of scriptures they know. Absolutely not. He's not impressed with that. In fact, the Bible says that the demons believe and tremble. In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus makes it clear that the singular way in which a believer is recognized is by the fruit he said a new commandment i give you that you love one another as i have loved you that you love one another not uh, uh, cannibalizing, destroying or eating up one another no like cannibals no verse 35 look at what it says by this what is this love by this all will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another not by how much you pray not by how much you fast not by how many verses you know no not by your profession your career absolutely not no none of that distinguishes you as a child of God now those things are good if you do them well I'm not knocking that prayer is essential fasting is essential Walking well is essential. All of those things are essential. But I'm saying to you, your identity, your singular ID, as a disciple, as a child of God, is loving one another, not tearing one another. Now, John takes it a little further, much stronger language. First John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. We are talking about the results of the gardener's work, the results of the planting of the Lord first John chapter 4 verse 7 beloved let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God he or she (laughs) who does not love does not know God I didn't say it you are looking at it he or she who does not love does not know God it it doesn't matter what we're saying how well you sing how well you pray fast how many verses you know if this agape this fruit of the spirit is not manifest in your life the Bible says you don't know God why for God is of love or God is love amen so it is critically essential that you and I understand that Jesus is planting us and is looking for the result called the fruit of the Spirit. Just as you and I know an apple tree by the tree it produces, Christians are recognized by the love we display. Now let me just move forward a little bit here. First Corinthians chapter thirty, first no, Corinthians thirteen. In the NIV, please, First Corinthians thirteen verses four through seven. There are three categories of love, which is the fruit of the Spirit. Three categories. I've mentioned this before a while back. When we addressed the issue, uh, I think uh, when we taught the book of Galatians. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth last verse it always protects always trusts always hopes always perseveres for those who are walking in the fruit of the spirit that's who you are right there now when you read this passage when you read these three verses four, five, six, seven, four verses okay we see three distinctions number one It tells us what love is. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4. It tells us what love is. Give me that verse 4 again. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Love, what is love? It is patient and it is kind. Full stop. It is patient and it is kind. Full stop. Think how long it took God to get you. Think how patient God was waiting for you to come to the kingdom. Think how long that was, and yet among one another, a brother or a sister does something, we blow up, we blow the fuse immediately. We blow the fuse forgetting that for you and me it took God a long time constantly winning off with his love constantly appealing to us constantly constantly and yet something someone does something that's a little off and bang we're off love is patient and love is kind that's what love is what love is not it does not envy so when you are blessed I'm not going to pray and say, ah, God, you bless this girl. Hey, when am I going to get my own? <laughs> you know, it doesn't have it. it does not boast. It is not proud. Verse 5. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. Always trying to promote themselves. No. No. God, Love. Let's love God. Promote them. Because a man's gift, the Bible says, will make room for him and bring before kings. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. You know some people, if you ever wrong them, they have a library of wrongs. An encyclopedia. This is 2021. Let's go to 2019. What did you do? How about 1992? They, they have a, 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 a whole category of different wrongs. But the Bible said long. Love does, in fact, Jesus, we saw that. They were hanging this man on the cross with agonizing pain. What did they say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. How could they not know what they're doing? Which, which part did they not know? They don't know what a hammer is or a nail? Bah! 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 He said they don't know what they're doing. Why? Love always finds a way to excuse bad behavior. Always. Always love is not trying to nail you it's trying to help you to get out of it always love does not delight in evil you know some people they ask, man when they have bad news about somebody that they don't like ha it's good for them they have it coming that's not the nature of God but rejoices with the truth verse 7 what does it do it's always protecting always trusting if you have a problem trusting you have a problem with love ah you didn't hear that you didn't hear that at all if you can't believe anything anybody's saying because of some bad experience you've had and therefore you put everyone in the same category you don't trust anybody any longer you have a real God issue because God always trusts can you imagine he created Adam and the crown of his creation, he commits to Adam. Name them. Name them. He totally completely trusted Adam would we'll do the right thing. Name them. And whatever name Adam gave it, God said, "Good, that's good enough for me." It trusts. Look at Jesus. His disciples did not even believe in him. He rose from the dead. They still were scratching their heads, and yet a band of unbelieving head scratchers. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. I'm entrusting you with the most important thing to my life. Even though, up till now, you've proven that you are not capable. I'm going to trust the Holy Ghost in you and through you to get the job done. If God trusts you and I, we should not, because somebody has uh, betrayed us, have a blanket mistrust of everybody else. No, that's not right. It always hopes, always preserves. Let's just move on. Amen. 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 You know, Brother Richard sent a, a posted a, a uh, an article on the men's ministry chat group, which, by the way, Move is doing great things. In case you don't know who Move is, that's the man of valor and excellence move of work front thank you thank you very much (laughs) no seriously that article blessed me and one of the things the right this unknown writer said in that article described what happened towards the end of the cold war with East Germany and West Germany you know they had the Berlin Wall and the East Germans because of their uh, orientation tough hard no gospel they had no concept of love and good so what did they do they went to the west german part west german end of the war and bought all the trash and heaps of garbage and just dumped it there to spite them if that happened if your neighbor did that to your house what would you do wait 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 wait, wait. before you answer you tongue talking praying fasting believer if your neighbor, if you got home today and your neighbor has put heap and trash on your driveway, what would you do? Don't answer. God is watching you. How did the West Germans respond? The West Germans said, oh, okay. This, this is where we go. They went and bought provisions. Milk, apples, all the things they know the East Germans need that they don't have because of shortage. They brought them and packed them at the same place. And they said, we know you you don't have it within you to do good. But because good is in us, that's what we display. What a lesson! Just believers, Are we always trying to do tit for tat? You wrong me, I'm going to wrong you. How in the world are we going to win a war for Jesus if we display the same characteristics as the world? It's not going to happen. When I read that, I was so blessed. I said, wow, these West Germans, rather than play tit for tat, they sold good for evil. Amen? And of course, we know the rest of the story. Angela Merkel came out of East Germany, became the Chancellor of Germany for 18 years, and worked and displayed incredible sincerity, dedication, and character so much so like i said to you guys uh, last week when she resigned a few months ago all of germany came to the balconies and for six minutes non-stop applauded her six minutes non-stop my goodness that's <laughs> thank you thank you so now let, let me begin to bring this with close for this for this for, for this installment now there, there, there are i showed you the three categories of love But there are also nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, which I'll get to make next week. I'm not going to address that right now. What is my part? I know that Jesus is planting me, is nurturing me, is defending me. I know Jesus is expecting results out of my life. What is the result? He's looking to produce the fruit of the Spirit in my life. How is this going to happen? Is this automatic? It is as long as I am abiding. Give me John chapter 15, verses 4 through 7. John 15, verses 4 through 7. Thank you, Jesus. What is my role? What is my part? Glory to God. In John chapter 15, verse 4, you know what? Let's start from verse 1. My mistake, thank you. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, it takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, it prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, here we go, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Are you hearing that? I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Absolutely impossible. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, is cast out and as a branch is withered, And they gathered them and threw them into the fire, and they are burned. Verse 7, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Wow. If you can ever get to understand what Jesus is saying here, you're on your way. This is the key. What Jesus just told told us here is the key to successful, fruitful, productive christian living simply says i am divine jesus is divine you are my branches he said if you abide in me you have no more problem you'll be much fruit why because it's not the branches that's producing the fruit it's the root through the vine that produces the fruit on the branches But in order for that to happen, the branches have to remain or abide or connected or be in union. And that's the key. How do we do that? What does it mean to abide? Oh, give me first John three, verse six in NIV. Please really pay attention to this next few moments because this is the key to everything we've been talking about. First John chapter 3, verse 6 in NIV. This is going to be the key. How do I, as a believer, abide? Because if I abide, then I have nothing else to do but just to be there and Jesus continues to produce in and through my life. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Now, notice what it says. It didn't say you don't sin. It said you don't keep on sinning. Which really is another subject for another day. That's not what I want to address today, really, to be honest with you. Okay? Now, give me in the... No, 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 no. Give me the same verse. Yes. Give me the same verse in the Amplified Classic. Thank you. The same verse. What does it mean to abide? What does it mean to abide? Thank you. Boys, lads... Now, this is John talking to I say, Father, he's calling all of us lads. <laughs> John is, a, by this time, is very, very old. And everybody's a lad, okay? All right. Boys, lads, let no one deceive you and lead you astray. He who practices, wait a minute. I said 1 John 3, 6. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, thank you. No one who abides in him who lives and remains in communion with and in obedience to him, now watch this, deliberately, knowingly, and habitually. Those three words are key. Are you deliberately, knowingly, and habitually sinning? We're not just talking about sin. We're talking about knowingly, deliberately and habitually you know what you put on the jacket of sin you just put on the jacket and wear. um this this is going to matter. that's what he's talking about here okay no one who abides him who remains in communion and with him and in obedience to him deliberately knowingly and habitually commits practices sin no one who habitually sins has either seen or known him recognized perceived or understood him or has an experiential acquaintance with him also, now give me 1 John 4.15 and also the, in the New King James. I'm sorry I have to t- take you through so many scriptures because this is the critical aspect of this message that helps you and I h- get handles to how to live fruitfully. 1 John 4.15 Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he is in God. Now, what, 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 what are we saying here? That word abide it connotes the meaning of rest and surrender when the bible says if i abide in him he's saying really in essence if i'm resting in christ and i'm surrendered to him you know what surrender means surrender means sometimes people are going to ask you to do things you don't really want to do but because you're surrendered you're no longer struggling or trying harder huge this hunky-dory notion of Christianity is a lie it's a lie this notion that because you are born again you are a Christian you love God God loves you everything will be straight and not a wonderful hunky dory no problems no challenges no issues is a bold-faced demonic lie Because there are some things we will never learn unless there are obstacles. In fact, I've told you before, you don't grow until you exercise certain muscles. So God, he doesn't do it, but he allows it that you and I have certain obstacles in our life so that we can exercise our faith muscles so we can grow. That's why we rest in him and we surrender in him. Oh, there's a scripture. Psalms 52 verse 8. Give that to me in the NIV. Psalms 52 verse 8 says, I am like an olive tree in the house of God. I am trusting in his unfailing love forever and ever. Look at it. But I'm like an olive tree. flourishing in the house of God. Okay, I get that. It's honky dory But look at the next sentence. I trust in God's unfailing love. Why is he saying that? Why is he having to trust in God's love? Because he understands he's going to be put in certain situations that's not nice. That is not easy. That is not, that is going to be tough or challenging. So he's saying, when, I'm, when I find myself in those challenging situations, I'm going to trust in your love to bring me through it. You, you, better, you better get your theology right. It's not all hunky dory. Jesus said, they t- "He said He was persecuted, and we are not greater than our Master." Amen. So now, the word abide connotes rest and surrender, not struggle or try harder. So to abide means I rest in Him. To abide means I surrender. To abide means even when things are not going my way. I recognize how much he loves me, and because of his unfailing love, I say, Jesus, you got it. Jesus, you got my back. Ah. In this passage in John chapter 15, I'm gonna need a little extra time here, so please just allow me. Let me just let me just finish this because this, this is important for me to just finish this. Jesus addresses two distinct groups of people. It talks about those who are unfruitful. Then it talks about those who are fruitful. That's one group. Then it also talks about those who are connected to the vine, who are abiding in the vine, and those who are not abiding in the vine. Two different groups of people. Traditional Christianity has, have mixed this group up. And we have messed up people's theology because of that. Go back to John 15, verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, it takes away. So what have we said? Ah, if you're not producing food, Jesus is going to cut you off. If you're not producing food, it's going to take you away. If you're not, you not producing food, it's going to chop you off. Well, I have good news for you this morning. Jesus is not a chopping off business. He's not chopping anyone off. If you are born again, have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you are not bearing fruit, it's not chopping you off. Ah. (laughs) I I can camp here for one good, Salah moment. Because you need to be delivered. No, it's not chopping you off. In fact, that word takes away, oh, that phrase takes away. In every translation, except one, has been mistranslated incorrectly. Every translation, NIV, NKJV, KJV, Amplify, all of them missed it. Now, let me just say this. The Bible is not wrong. Did you hear what I just said? The Bible is not wrong. The translator, John Wycliffe, great man, man who who stake his life, For translating the Bible into English language, I thank God for him. It was incredible. In fact, it it was killed because of what he did. Can you imagine that? Somebody dying, being killed, assassinated, hung because he translated the Bible into English language. That was insane. But unfortunately, he did not have the tools that you and I have have today. So he translated that Greek word. Take away. I mean, Airo, that word is A-I-R-O. A, I as in India, R as in robot, O as in orange. Airo. He translated it incorrectly as takeaway. Don't take my word for it. You be like the Berean Christian. Go to your concordance and check it out. That word in the original Greek, correctly translated in several other passages in the New Testament, is the same word for lifted up. Is the same word for take up. It's the same word for raised up. <laughs> you can find those passages. I'm not going to turn to it. I need to move quickly because of time. Mark's no, Matthew 16, 24. Mark 16, verse 18. Luke 5, verse 24. John 5, verse 8. Luke 17, verse 13. John 11, verse 41. Acts 4, verse 24. Revelation chapter 10, verse 5. No, the Bible is not wrong. John Wycliffe was wrong in eight various translations of the same Bible that same word was translated to take up to raise up or to lift up now the only translation that got it right is the passion translation give me that same verse in TPT passion it is important you understand is because all of us have been taught the wrong notion that if you're not bearing fruit, it's going to cut you off. That's not what happens. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches. Yeah. Hallelujah! Yeah. What gardener is going to invest his life in a plant? And because the plant is not producing in time, cut it off. That's not what he died for. He died. He was buried and raised again from the dead for a victory and for a triumph. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Listen, if you don't take the Bible word for it, go to any vineyard. You will see what I'm telling you. There's one in Chateau Island. I went there, I saw it. i went there i saw it years ago salvation you booked the appointment for me i don't know if you remember years ago Chateau Island. what happens these branches that stop producing because of the weight of the fruit they fall down and they are buried in the sand and as long as they are buried in the sand they are no longer receiving the sunlight hmm they are no longer exposed to sunlight they are no longer exposed to son sun, the son of god and as long as they are no longer exposed to sunlight they can no longer produce so what does the vineyard owner does he comes picks them out of the side washes them with the water rinses them over with the word of god and he props them up so they cannot be exposed to the sunlight and in a due time hallelujah these on branches begin to produce again that's what jesus is doing in your life you may not be producing right now but i guarantee you in the name of jesus you will produce again because the gardener the true gardener the master gardener knows what you need is the goodness of god that leads man to repentance not the fear of god not the wrath of god glory to god yes bad translation so we're running all over the places ah if you don't put this fruit, it's gonna cut you off no if you don't put this it's gonna fix you <laughs> it's gonna wash you with the water of His word hallelujah give you in fact in that john 15 it says i've cleaned you with the word he said it and he's gonna expose it himself to the sun and as you on unveiled face behold the holy image of the Son of God is only a matter of time you're going to bring forth. So that's the first part. The second thing, so we see the distinction between the unfruitfulness and being fruitful. But the second aspect is, those who are not connected. Those who are not abiding. In John 15 verse 6. John 15 verse 6, hallelujah, John 15 verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he cast out as a branch and is withered, now that one is true, you know who he's talking about? unbelievers, unbelievers, unbelievers are not abiding, why? Because they don't know God. So it's saying for those who do not abide, who do not remain, who are not in communion, who are not in union, they're going to be cast out. And so this morning, from whatever you are listening, if you are not a branch that's connected, I want to challenge you. Change your destination. Change your destiny. You need to get plugged in. You need to be connected to this vine, to the Lord Jesus, so he can bring you into the fulfillment of your eternal destiny. Let me just close by this. Oh, man, I'm sorry I I went way over this morning, but I, I need to find a good way to stop it. A couple of weeks ago, Tam and her husband, Tam is Wayne, Elder Wayne's daughter, who grew up here as a young child, now an adult, married. She's married to Justin, a nice, wonderful young man, Tam Douglas. Tam and Justin, fellowship with us here a few weeks ago. After service, my wife, my wife and I took them out. Just spent some time with them. How are you doing? What's going on? Blah 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 blah. Now, Tam works for Delta Airlines, and because of my interest in the aviation industry, uh, it was a very easy conversation. Just talking to her, how you know how are you doing? What's going on with the pandemic? What's going on in the industry? And that week that we were, the week that we were having lunch together, she said to me, she said, "I'm on call for the week." So I said to her, I said, what does that mean? What does it mean to be on call? What happens when you're on call? Now she explained the process to me, that any given day, any given moment, they call her by text, by phone, or by uh, uh, email to say, are you available to take a trip? Say for instance, to Detroit. And she says, yes, When she says yes. I said, now what happens after you say yes? You say yes. They tell her when they report to the airport, and once she reports, a series of activities is is initiated automatically now this is the point i'm making when time says yes to the detroit trip they tell her to be at the airport by 12 noon this morning or 12 noon tomorrow whatever the time is from that moment that she said yes everything she needs to complete her trip and be back home is totally completely undertaken by delta let me explain How she gets to the airport? How she gets to the gate where the flight is going to be? She does not have to worry. Oh, is the aircraft going to be in the gate? That's not her business. Oh, are the pilots going to show up? That's not her business. Oh, are there going to be any more flight attendants? That's not her business. Oh, when I get to Detroit, how am I going to be picked up from the airport to the hotel? That's not her business. When she gets to the airport, the transport picks her up, Takes her to the hotel, she's not asking how am I, I going to pay? Is it Amex Visa Mastercard? None of her business. All she has to do is just show up. Once she shows up, her entire responsibility to discharge her duty for Delta is totally, completely on Delta. So I said to her, I said, do you at any time during this transactional process ever wonder if Delta is going to show up? Does it ever occur to you that perhaps the airplane will not be in the gate, or the pilot will be drunk, or or your ride when you get to Detroit will not show up? I, do you get worried about that? Oh, if my ride doesn't show up, do, do I carry? Do I catch Uber, Lyft, or do I get a rental? Car? Do you ever worry about that? He said, No. I said, Why are you not worried about it? He said, Why should I? Do you ever worry that they're going to put you in a hotel where roaches and and uh, license is going to run all over you? He said, No. Why? Why are you not worried about it? He said because I know Delta will take care of me. Really? Child of God. What Delta does for time is what Jesus does for you. He wants you to rest. Hmm. Understanding that when he called you forth everything you need to prosper. Everything you need to produce, everything you need to live has already been taken care of. Hallelujah. She says, she's the now watch this now, watch this. You and I know that Delta every now and then have hiccups. Bad storm. Something happens. As a, a town, when you get to the Detroit and the ride don't show up, Would you quit data the next day? Would you just stop saying data is useless because the the right does not show up one time? She said, No. He said, because I understand that life happens, things happen. Ah, And here we are, you and I. What the first time God does not show up. The first time something don't work, we find another God. I said, Tam, why are you able to trust Delta like this? She said, because of their credibility. That credibility gives her assurance. Does Delta have more credibility than God? No, sir. Absolutely not. We need to get a revelation of what God has done for us. Now, in closing, this is my final and last closing. Because Delta has provided for Tam's success. When Tam gets to work, she's expected to produce. When Tam gets to work at Delta, she's expected to do a good job because her success has been provided for last set of scriptures i promise you yes last set of scriptures 1st corinthians chapter 15 verse 10 let me just get this out of me and you guys won't have to deal with me again for a few days 1st corinthians 15:10 but by the grace of god paul speaking i am what i am and his grace toward me was not in vain you notice that why is the grace not in vain but I labored more abundantly than they are, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. I want to give you four things, very quickly, four things. Number one, Paul walked hard because hard work is part, of, is part of the believer's response to grace. Paul walked hard because hard work is part of the believer's response to grace. Now I know, yeah, yeah, I know grace has made some of us fall asleep because we say by grace, because of grace we don't have to do anything, that's a lie you don't do anything to become saved but once you are saved because you are saved you better roll up your sleeves and start walking Paul just told us Paul is the apostle of grace he said God's grace will not be in vain in my life I'm going to produce for God. In fact, the grace of God is producing in and through me. Why? Because I have grace. Amen? So working hard is part of the believer's response to grace. Ah, okay. Read this when you get home. Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10. I won't go there because I said this is the last set of scriptures. Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10. Read it when you get home. For by grace you are saved. Verse 10 it tells you, you've been created in Christ Jesus for good works of course you must work hard whether it's at home at work or in church my question to you this morning are you working are you at work or are you loafing are you on spiritual idleness because the grace of God this grace of God will compare you to get involved it will compel you to because you freely received that you freely given absolutely positively number two So number one, we see that hard work is part of believers' response to grace. Number two, and this we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, no, 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 chapter 3, verses 8 through 15. Verse 8 says the quality of each person's work will be tested. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8. The quality, now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Did you see that? Every man and every woman has a, something because the work that we do is going to be tested. Number two, number three. You can see this in verses 12 and 14. Number three. Each will be rewarded according to their own labor. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear for the day we declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is verse 14 says and if anyone's work which he has built on it endures he will receive a reward so each will be rewarded according to their own level again number one work hard number two the quality of your work will be tested Number three, each one will be recorded, rewarded according to the only one. Lastly, number four, from verse 15 here, you can take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Because verse 15 says, if anyone's work is burnt, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet so as through fire. Verse number four, regardless of whether your work will be rewarded or not, you as a believer will be saved. So you can take a deep breath. You're loafing, you're goofing off, you're not doing anything, you're not serving, you're not being a blessing. Your work may be destroyed, but God says, out of my mercy, I'll still save you. Amen? But don't let's be like that. Let's work hard. Let's give God what he wants. In the quality of the work he's asking for through the power of his Holy Spirit because it's him that's working in us and through us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Amen? And so, Father, we want to thank you for our time this morning. We bless your name. Thank you for you being a gardener that is planting us as seed to bring forth fruit that will edify you, be a blessing to you and to the world at large. We receive your nurture. We thank you, Lord God, for the elimination of sinful practices. And we bless you for the display of your fruit of the Spirit. And for those who are not born again, Father, we thank you that even right now your Spirit is drawing them, that they come to the place where they can be reconnected back to their eternal destiny. Be born again. We honor you. We bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Thank you. Thank you for your indulgence. Bless you in Jesus' name.